Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How did I get here? I don't understand. Boy, when I was thinking about where I would be at this point in my life, I thought it'd be a whole lot different. I thought it'd be a whole lot better. Maybe you've graduated high school, you get into college and you thought college was going to be something and you thought you would figure out and know exactly what my life is going to be and this is what I'm gonna do. And somewhere in the middle you said, that's not what I thought it was gonna be. Maybe you graduated college and you thought, I'm going to get the career that's going to go along. I'm going to, I'm going to have this career and it's going to be like this. And at this age, at this point, I'm going to be making this and I'm going to be here. And somehow you've ended up and that's not where you thought you'd be. Maybe you get to middle age, you've been in a career and all of a sudden you kind of wake up one day and you find that there's just a dissatisfaction. I, I don't understand. I didn't think that I would be here. Some people try all kinds of things. Sometimes they try church. If I get a little more religion, then things are going to be better. You know, here's the thing. When we're taking a look at this Old Testament book today in Haggai, that's where we find the people are at. The Jewish people are at this place where uh, they've kind of come to a, a place and they thought, well, we thought things would be different by now. And yet they weren't. E.M. Gray spent his life searching for one trait that all successful people share, and he shared an essay called The Common Denominator of Success, and he revealed successful people's common characteristic was not hard work, it was not good luck, it was not astute human relations, although these traits are very important. What he found was one factor that transcended all the rest, and it was this habit, the habit of putting first things first. He said this, successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They don't like to do them either necessarily, but their disliking is subordinate to their strength of their purpose. And you see, although the book of Haggai is a short little two-chapter book, it's, it's, it's the second shortest in the Old Testament, it's all about putting first things first. It's, it's all about, it's written to people like you and I that would, that would say, how do, we, how do we drift away? How do we get away from where we thought we would be? How do we, how do we get to this place in life? You see, they lived their lives with misplaced priorities. And Haggai, who was a prophet, was sent to call the people back to get in line with God's priorities. To get in line by putting first things first. Let me share you a little bit of backstory this morning to fully understand what's happening in the context to, to what the Lord is speaking to his people. Let me go back and share a little bit. And we touched a little bit on this in long story short when we talked about exile. You see, during the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, he started construction on, on the most magnificent temple. It was a, a temple for God, and, and Solomon was wise, and, and Solomon had led to Israel to a place of prosperity. And so for the temple, everything that was put in the temple was, was the best of the best. I mean, it was inlaid with all kinds of gold. It was inlaid with, with everything, precious metals, precious stones. It had the, the fabrics. It was the best of the best. It was absolutely beautiful. 
And then all of a sudden, King Solomon died, and the people's hearts began to turn away from the Lord. They got distracted, as people often do, and they started to worship other idols. And God allowed a series of events to take over that would pull the people back to himself. And in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army from Babylon came in and crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, not only destroying and burning the city, but destroying the temple as well and carrying all of those precious metals, all the gold, all the items, carried it back with him. Not only was it completely humiliating for that entire city to be destroyed and for him to take some of the people back with him, some of the wisest of the people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and others with him, but it was also devastating that that very temple had also been completely destroyed, stripping the very spiritual identity of the Jewish people. And the Jews were taken captive for decades, specifically 70 years of captivity, but for many it ended up being 50 before there was an exile that was allowed to be released back. And we often read this and it doesn't register in our minds. I, I think and, and, I, and I look and I go, well, I'm 44, I'm not even 50, but can you imagine 50 years? Can you imagine uh, all of a sudden uh, another nation coming into the United States and threatening some of our major cities and threatening them with nuclear power and, and our, our nation's leaders saying, you know what? We can't handle anymore. We give up. And they come in and they destroy some of our cities and then they take over and they take us back and we lose the freedom that we have and we're not able to worship the way we want and we're not able to go where we want and we're not able to do that. And for 50 years, we're under the, 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 the oppression, under the leadership of another nation. That, that is unheard of for us. We, we can't even begin to think about that. And for me, my children would have been born in captivity. And so for 50 years, that's what they have. And now all of a sudden, in a turn of events that, that, that bring relief, as you can imagine, in 583 B.C., 50,000 people are allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, to rebuild. Finally, after five decades, they get to go back home. After 50 years, they get to go back home. They get to rebuild not only their own lives, but they get to rebuild the city and they get to rebuild the house of the Lord, the temple of God. And when they return from exile, they face that daunting task. The first returnees made preliminary attempts. They cleared debris. They laid the foundation for the second temple. Their Samaritan neighbors initially offered to help and join in the work, and then all of a sudden they turned on them and refused to help. They began to threaten the workers, and they sent men to Persia to lobby against the Jews, bringing that work to a halt. As years passed, slowly but surely, Jerusalem came to life again. Homes were built. Stores were opened. Uh, commerce was established. Fields got planted. Crops got harvested. Life began to return to normalcy. Israel, however, got used to life without the temple. The foundations were overgrown with weeds. They stood as a reminder of the Jews' failure to take care of God's house. 14 to 16 years had passed since they had come back from exile. 14 to 16 years. And Haggai appears on the scene with one prevailing message, and that is this. It's time. The time is now. The time is now to finish what you started. The time is now to finish the temple. The time is now to get back to the work of the Lord, to get back to placing a priority on the worship of God. 
Haggai's message was a message of priority. It was a message of putting first things first. You see, the temple was the center for the worship of God. This was not just a building program. This was not just about bricks and mortar. This was about establishing worship again to Jehovah, establishing worship again to the Lord Almighty. You see, their priorities had got out of whack. Their priorities had kind of shifted a little bit. And Haggai comes back and he says, listen, yes, I know that there's a lot of normalcy that's going on, but you've neglected something. There is something that you've neglected as As God has restored and brought back, you have neglected the priority of worship, and the time is now. The time is now for the restoration. Let's read verse 1. Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 1, the second year of King Darius. On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, let me just pause for a moment. How many on parenting? Uh, one of you have been home with the kids and... They, they just start acting up, and you're just what, ready to pull your hair out, and, and your spouse comes home, and you go, you need to deal with your kids. You know what, anybody, that, that's never happened. You're, you better take care of your kids, right? You know, before when they're all sweet, it's my kids, or it's our kids, you know, and, and we kind of made them together. But when they're acting up, they, these are your kids. Now, God's not married, so he says, these people. Throughout Scripture, he's always my people, my, my people, my, not in this passage, In this passage, God's like these people. (laughs) These people say the time has not yet come. These people. How many of you know you're in trouble with God when he starts saying these people? (laughs) Right? These people. Man, they neglected the priority of worship. Charles Feinberg in his commentary on the minor prophets, he said this. In short, Haggai is saying, give God the supreme place in your life. Or maybe as Jesus said it in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. So how do we accomplish the things in line? How do we put the priorities in order? How do we begin to put first things first? What can we learn from this passage? Well, number one, you've got to recognize when you have misplaced priorities. How many of you know it all begins with recognition? It all begins by saying, God, open our eyes. Or when God opens our eyes and begins to show us how we've been living, showing us how far we've drifted. How many of you know that's the place to start, to recognize misplaced priorities? This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's what, that's what they say. But here's what the Lord says. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It's time for you. Your, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? In other words, recognize your priorities. You have the wrong things you're focusing on. You focus your ho- yourself on your own home while you've neglected mine. You've intended to build your house, and yet you haven't built mine. If you were to ask them about it, they'd probably say, you know what, I'm all for building the temple. I think it's a great cause. I think it's really important. But, you know, I think God wants me to take care of my family first. You know, times have been hard Times, economic time, they've been hard. Jobs have been scarce. You know, I think we need to pray about this some more. I just think we need a little bit more. I'm all for building it, but I I don't know that the time is now. You know, to be honest, what they were making is they were making excuses. They were making excuses. 
Let me give you a little more insight of what was going on. When they returned from captivity, as I said, they set to rebuild the temple and they relayed that foundation. There was a great celebration. If you read Ezra chapter 3, that kind of goes along with the first exiles coming back. There was a great celebration just to building the foundation. They were excited to get to work, but all of a sudden the Samaritans began to oppose them. And how many of you know that sometimes when you're doing the work of God, opposition comes? Opposition comes. And that's what happens. You know, and, and when opposition comes, sometimes we have, a, we have a tendency to want to stop. In fact, when opposition comes, sometimes we think this might not be the will of God. You know, maybe the time isn't now. We're receiving this opposition. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not now. I thought God's will, when you do God's will, it's supposed to be easy. When you're following God's will, I mean, it's his blessings, right? You're walking in the, when you do God's will, you don't experience any problems, right? Everything just goes well, right? I mean, sometimes that's the way we think. But I want to I tell you something. The closer we get to, to doing something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely we're going to face opposition, Receiving opposition isn't a sign that God's against you. A lot of times, it's a sign that you're doing what God wants. If you're not facing any opposition, you might not be doing what God wants. When, as long as they were building their own paneled houses, as long as they were focused on their own priorities and not God's, they didn't experience opposition. But the moment they started to focus on making God the priority and God the center of worship, all of a sudden they experienced opposition. Friends, when you put God first, you will experience opposition. The enemy doesn't like that. There's a spiritual warfare that goes on when you begin to press in and follow God's plan. But sometimes we pull back. See, they truly intended to build a house for God. They just hadn't gotten around to it. Instead, they were frozen by fear, stifled by selfishness, and paralyzed by presumption. They were afraid of the Samaritans, so they turned away from focusing on what God wanted and started turning selfishly to focus on what they wanted looking for a better time, an easier time. And in every case, it was the same. Delay, delay, delay. In these moments of opposition, you and I have a decision to make. We can make excuses or we can be obedient. It's a crossroads. When you find yourself being obedient to God, it gets difficult, it gets challenging as it often does. And I want to encourage you with one simple thought, and that is this. With, the, with God's help, this is what I want. This is the... The title and the theme today is this, sometimes you've got to choose the hard right. Sometimes you've got to choose the hard right. You're saying, what? That sounds like directions, right? <laughs> what, what is that? No, the, the hard right is that sometimes it's difficult to make the hard decision. It, you want to make the easy, to, you, 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 want to, you, you don't want it difficult, you want it, you want it to be easy? That's not, that's not a difficult decision. There, that's an easy decision. But sometimes you've got to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Let me give you some examples. It would be easy when someone hurts your feelings to hold a grudge or to be angry at them, but it's hard and right to forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. It can be easy to continue to spend more than you have, buy whatever you want and go into debt. It's hard to begin to make the right decisions to climb out of debt, to live beneath your means, and to live in such a way that you can massively and generously bless other people. It's easy to give up. It's not easy to make a difference, but as we heard in the short sermon today, followers of Christ have to make the hard right in sharing the gospel over the easy wrong of doing what's easy and not facing opposition. 
This is what the prophet is telling the people and trying to empower them, that if we want to make progress in life, we have to recognize misplaced priorities, and that begins when we stop making excuses. Billy Sunday defined an excuse as a skin of reason stuffed with a lie. I know many of you heard that before. Benjamin Franklin wrote this, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses and was good at anything else. If we're honest, we've got to recognize misplaced priorities, and recognizing misplaced priorities comes when we stop with all of the excuses. The but, but, but. Oh, I, I, I know we're supposed to do that, but. I know, we, I know we should do this, but. I know we should, but. But, 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 but. As long as you're worried about the but, you're never going to follow God. You'll never be used by God because of the excuses. I know, that was funny, wasn't it? We can all laugh. Haggai 1.4, this is what he says. This is what God says. It's time for you. Is it time? Is it time? He's asking a question. Is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while my house, while this house remains in ruin? And let me ask you just another question. Is there some unfinished assignment in your life? I want you to ask that. Is there some unfinished assignment in my life? Is there something that God has put in your life, something that God has called you to do? And it's something that could have been yesterday, it could have been, it could have been months ago, it could have been years ago. But God puts something on your heart, an assignment on your heart, and you just haven't gotten around to it yet. There's just some other things have come up. Somehow you've drifted, but there's an assignment that God has put in your heart. And I want you just to, 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 to say, you know what, I, I, I want to look at the rest of this message in light of that. What is the assignment that God has put that I, just, I, I, that I, I haven't been obedient, I haven't been following? Is there an assignment, is there an assignment that, that, that you've been putting off in your life? Is there an assignment? Maybe a burden. Most likely it's from God and you just haven't done it yet. Think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment because Haggai told the people, you know what, you started out with an assignment to rebuild my house, to rebuild the worship, the center of worship, to rebuild my temple, but you have not been obedient. There's an assignment that you haven't been following. And the only way to get back to it is to begin to recognize misplaced priorities. Secondly, realize when God removes his blessing. How can I accomplish the most important things? When I begin to realize when God removes his blessing, when I wake up. <laughs> Haggai chapter 1, 5 to 11 says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of, the, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on the people and the livestock, all the labor in your hands. That's sobering, isn't it? Did you, did you see that? 
Because of your excuse making, because of your selfish living for the, the people in Haggai's day, because of that, you are experiencing hardship. You are experiencing hardship because you have misplaced priorities, because you have not done what I said to do. You've taken your own way, you've done things your own way, and you said, this is what's going to fill. And because of that, there is nothing. You, you, I blew it away. You're not satisfied. You, you, don't, you don't have it. Your labor is showing absolutely no profit. Anybody know how that feels? I think a modern translation might be this. You're working your tail off and you still don't feel like you have anything. You're pouring your life into a career that just feels empty and hollow. You have more than enough, than, more than you've ever had before, yet you still don't feel satisfied. You entertain yourself, you go to games, you go to movies, you eat out, yet there's still a longing for more. And maybe as Dr. Phil used to always say, how's that working for you? Right? So what does he say? Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. These people lived in frustration. They lived in dis discontent. Nothing satisfied. And we can pass over this lesson very easily. But friends, if we devote ourselves to sowing and eating and drinking and clothing and earning wages, but we neglect the ministry and the body of Christ, the temple of God, then we live in con constant frustration. You can spend your energy seeking comfort and security from the world and not spend it toward the glory of God. You can have the pleasures, but there will be a sour aftertaste of depression, guilt, and frustration. See, because of their selfishness, the people missed out on God's blessings. And Haggai pointed out the sobering reminder that what affects or what happens in your heart affects every part of your life. Because they had point, pushed God out of the center of their life, everything else in their life suffered. And there are some of you in frustration right now. You're in frustration right now. And you need to evaluate priorities. You need to evaluate priorities. Haggai says now is the time. Through Haggai, God said now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Listen, God controls the rain and the harvest. He's withholding the blessings because your priorities are not right. If you put his house first, will he not bless you? Jesus said the same thing. I read it earlier, but I want to read it again. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be brighter for you. See, friends, blessings come through obedience. If we want to experience God's blessings, we've got to put him first. This is a, an indictment and a devastating predicament because they realized that they were the ones who had caused their own calamity. And it was time to consider their ways. Verse 5 and verse 7, consider your ways, give careful thought, measure the consequences of your actions. How many know evaluation is a good thing, isn't it? It's why teachers give tests and employers hold job reviews. Socrates said this, the unexamined life is not worth living. Friends, it's time to examine. We've got to examine our lives, how we use our, our time, how we use our treasure, how we use our talent. It's time to examine the friends that we have and the goals and where we're going. And we've got to ask ourselves, have we removed God from his rightful place or is God the purpose and he's the center? The failure to make constant corrections in every day is like a pilot who, who doesn't make the slight course corrections and adjustments in flight. His plane will end up miles off course. See, the failure to take proper precautions today will result in severe consequences tomorrow. And Haggai tells them, give careful consideration to your ways, what's happening, and realize that you've prioritized things in the wrong way. So then, what is number three? Respond in obedience to correction. And that's what we see happening here. Haggai shares this message, 
And then in verses 12 to 14, Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. I don't know about you, but I love this response of the people. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. No more excuses. We're not going to get angry. We're, we're not going to get upset. We're not just going to ignore this warning. No, we heard the warning. We heard the voice of the Lord that said the time is now to reprioritize. The time is now to put God first. The time is now to put his priorities first. And they responded in obedience to the Lord. See, God honors those who do his work. Here's an important insight. God is on the hard road. God is on the hard road. He's not, he's not sitting with the couch potatoes. The hard road can look difficult. It can look daunting. You know what? All of us want the easy road. We want the easy life. But God's calling us to stop making excuses and to get in the game. He's calling us to evaluate and consider our ways and choose the hard right over the easy wrong. You want to know what the ironic thing is about the hard road and the easy road? See, the easy road looks easy, but once you get on it, you find that life gets more difficult, that it's really the hard road. And the hard road is hard, but once you get on it, you find that, that it actually, actually gets easier. So you can jump on the easy road, but the easy road leads to wasted days, wasted weeks, wasted months, destruction, poverty, starvation, and desperation. Wasted years, but the hard road appears to be difficult, but it leads to the road of blessing and fulfillment and lasting spiritual growth because the hard road is about the eternal and not about the now. The easy road will take you to the bottom, but the only way to the top is the hard road. It's tough. It's the only way, though, to live life is to make the hard right to choose the hard right. And God honors those who stop making excuses and he promises to be with those who dare to obey his word, who dare to, to prioritize him. Why, how do I know that? Because when the people obeyed, God sent this word, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. I am with you. God is with you on the hard road. There is nothing, there is nothing more important than his presence. Nothing more important than his presence. So my question is this, what are you prioritizing in your life? Are you choosing to prioritize what God desires, putting his priorities above your own? Are you choosing to place your own desires and plans above his? What, what, what is that today? And so I just, I just have a little illustration that, I, that I, I'd like to do today just to kind of help about putting things first. Now, you know, these are these little BB pellet things, you know, and you know, life is filled with a lot of things that we can make choices on. How many know there's a lot of things? Some are important, some are not so important. But how many know all of us have a life that gets filled up, doesn't it? We all have 24 hours in a day. We, we, all, we all have that. There is nobody that's any excuse. You know, if, if you were to take all the little things in life and you were to prioritize those things over the big things and just kind of make, make decisions as life comes, you know, you're just kind of filling things up. And, 
And you know, you, you go, okay, my life, I still have room for more, all right? I got room for more here, all right? I got some room, I'll just leave it at that. I got some room for more. Boy, now there's the big things in life, family. I filled it up with all the hobbies and all the little things that I enjoy and all that. Then I got to fill it up with family and, you know, family and all those kind of things. And so you begin to try, well, I need family and, oh, well, there's, there's some bills to pay and... And you know, there's, there's church, you know, I, I gotta throw that in there. And, and there's, the, you know, you start, to, you start to fill it up with the big things. How many of you know that you, you, you can only get so much in there? Some of the big things get left to the wayside. Some of the big things get left to the wayside. And so sometimes, you know, we just, we try to fill up our life with all the, the little things and it doesn't leave room for the big things. The big things, the most important things get left out. The most important things are the things that, that, that sometimes get neglected when we start to allow our lives to be filled up with things that really don't matter, things that really aren't as important. I'm going to try not to spill these all over the, the uh, you know, sometimes an illustration in your head, then you go to do it. Hey, that worked out pretty good. So, so you have all the, you, you have that, but let me, let, me, let me just illustrate it this way, and I, I heard this once, but you start saying, you know what, I'm going to prioritize the big things first. So you know what, my relationship with God. I'm going to prioritize my relationship with God, my worship of God first. I'm going to prioritize my family. I'm going to, you know, I I understand that there there are little things that can get distracted, but you know, I know that that God, when he he made us, said that we got to work. You you don't work, you don't eat, all right? That's just, we're we're made to be productive, to follow. I'm going to follow God's plan. And you start filling your life with all the big things. So we're going to fill it up here with with all of these big things here. We're going to take all the big things in life and we're going to put them in here first. And and, and we're going to just prioritize that. So then you say, well, man, there's all these little things, these hobbies, these little things that I like to do, all these other things. They're not as important, but, but I'd like to do them. Well, let's see. What happens? Look at that. Oh, look, there's room for that. When I prioritize the big things, there's room for the other things. When I, when I prioritize the main things, whoops, some of them get away, there's, there, there's, there's room for the other things. Look at this. There's room. When I put the big things, there's room for the little things. But when I had the little things, there was no room for the big things, right? And, you know, and then I was going to try this with sand, and that may even get a little bit more because you say, boy, do, you know, is there any room left over? Is there any room even, even left over? Well, there might be some other smaller things, you know? Is there still room in there? Is there still room in there? Here we go. Look at that. Look at that. When I prioritize the big things, right? When I prioritize the big things, then I've got room for the other things. But when I don't prioritize the big things, see, there's still, I can still get more in there. When I don't prioritize the big things in life, when I don't prioritize, then I have no room for them. Then they get left aside. I don't have room for them. And you know what? There are some of you, you have allowed all the little foxes to spoil the vine. You've allowed all the little things, all the reactionary things, all the little things in your life. You've allowed all of those things to happen in your life, and you haven't prioritized the main things, and you say, there's no room for that. I don't have time for God. I don't have time to prioritize worship of God. I don't, because I'm doing this, and 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 you've made excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse, and you're unfulfilled, and you're unhappy, and you find that life is a treadmill, and I don't know how to do it, and I'm always stressed out, and I don't know how to get it, and it's because you prioritize the wrong things. And God says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. 
Are you out of priority? Have you stopped prioritizing God and the worship of God? Have you put him second? Have you put him third? See, the, God, the Bible says today, Haggai says today, the time is now. The time is now. It's time for us to start putting God first. It's time for us to start reprioritizing and saying, what is most important? What is God calling me to? What is most important? And sometimes you're going to have to make the hard right. Because there are some decisions that you've been making that are easy, but they're going to be, they're difficult later on. But when you begin to choose the hard right, it might be difficult initially. It's hard. But it comes with the blessing and the peace and the fulfillment of the Lord. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe the first decision that you need to make to, to, to make the hard right is the decision to say, you know what, it's time for me to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. It's time for me to put Christ first in my life. It's time for me to receive salvation. It's time for me to accept what Christ did on the cross and to surrender my life to Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, today I need to surrender my life to Christ. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I need to make that hard right. Will you slip up your hand today? I want to prioritize Christ. I need to make a decision. Thank you. I need to prioritize. I need to make Christ first. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you know the Lord, but you say, you know what, I need to, I, I, I've gotten some things out of priority, and today I need to repent. Today I need to put his priorities. I need his priorities today. There's some things that need to shift. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you today, Lord, that you love us and that you care about us. And Father, today we begin just with recognition that there are some things in our lives that we have not prioritized. And Father, today we come before you and we repent. Today, Lord, we we come before you and we say, Jesus, it's time. <laughs> it's time to follow you. It's time to start making the hard right, to, to, to reorganize some priorities. It's time to get rid of the distractions. It's time to get rid of the oppositions and the, the fear. Whatever it is, today, God, we come and we make the hard right. We repent of those things that we've had out of, out of priority where we've not, we've not put you first. And we ask you today, Lord, to forgive us. We ask you today, Lord, to, to, to come in and, and to reorganize our lives. And show us, God, the decisions that we need to make to put you first. To put you first. We want to put you first today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.